Well, <clears throat> when you're an actress or an actor in a film, you have very little to do with the outcome of the film. Your performance can, a, a director can take your performance and do anything he wants with it in the editing room. The difference between being an actress and being a, writing a song and performing that song is that you are much more submissive as an actress. You have to, the person with the vision and the person with a real point of view is the director. You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast. Come get swept away with the podcast you've been desperately seeking. Hey guys, it's Tony, and this is not a love song. Hey guys, it's Stefan, and I am back from vacation. Welcome back, Stefan. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be back. I was greeted with the sights and smells of JFK, and uh, I knew that I was back in town right away. It was, uh, the European vacation is over. Oh, well, back to reality. But, you know, the great news is we have a new Madonna album in over a week. It's a little bit over a week. Yes, that's. I think that was the only thing that was getting me through my jet lag the past couple days, is knowing that imminently we are going to have... Uh, plethora of new madonna music to listen to and repeat over and over and over again and make it the song of the summer and hopefully all of the things that we've obsessively ordered from madonna.com will come in a timely manner yeah i was wondering about how fast that the, the merch was going to arrive you know like i know that i think with each of the the merchandise you get an al- a little an album or a cd or something and I'm like, I wonder how fast that'll, like, will that arrive on the 14th? Something tells me no. Uh, remember that Like a Prayer shirt I ordered? Still haven't oh, gotten it. St- <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I inquired and I was told that it was on, quote, back order. <laughs> oh. Well, well, unlike your Like a Prayer t-shirt, there, <laughs> there has been uh, an arrival uh, that was very surprising to me. Uh, I don't know if you had read, I literally just read before we were recording, um, according to Billboard magazine, uh, Crave has debuted on the adult contemporary charts at number 19, which is apparently Madonna's highest debut on the adult contemporary chart in her entire career. Really? Even more so than Take a Bow? Yeah, I guess like, so. Seriously, they, they said... It's the song arrives as Madonna's 37th entry dating to her first, which was borderline, but it's apparently her highest debut. Um, the second highest debut goes to ghost town, which opened at number 21 back in 2015. So I was a little stunned that this would be her highest debut considering all of her ballads. Uh, you'd think those ballads would have been adult contemporary friendly. Well, Crave has been really popular. I mean, the video was number one the weekend it came out, and I, I think it's doing really well. People seem to like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, I'm, I mean, I'm happy. I'm just I'm surprised that it would be a... Uh, well, and the interesting thing is the adult contemporary version is a Madonna-only version. It doesn't have Sway Lee rapping in it. Oh, wait, there's another version? I didn't even know well, this. Well, it's just Madonna. It's just only Madonna. There's, there's not uh. like there's Sway Lee. Because <laughs> according to the article, uh, they say that um, WRRM in Cincinnati says, 
we have a Madonna only version because our listeners don't know who Sway Lee is. So I oh guess the plus side is at least the listeners know who Madonna is. I want to know where I can hear this. I feel like such a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I, when um, Medellin came out, a fan site had edited the song to only have Madonna and like cut out Maluma. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. Let me listen to that because I, I wonder if I'll like the song more when if there's less Maluma. And it was completely the opposite. I actually, when listening to the song and it was only Madonna, I actually felt like Maluma elevated the song a little bit more. And I missed him sort of like chiming in and, and rapping and speaking in Spanish. And um, so I was like... Sorry, oh. we all miss him when he's not around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that was my little piece of... Uh, Breaking news. I know we are not a breaking news website uh, podcast, but uh, there you have it. Well, we do have some reviews that just kind of like dropped out of the sky in the last couple of days, and mostly in the British press. I know that Rolling Stone's reviews don't come out till next week. Yeah, it was weird that, that so I had heard that the there was an embargo until the 4th. I thought that was going to be for all of the press, but I guess the U.S. is maybe the press is waiting the album day to actually arrive. I don't know how they work the, 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 the reviews. That is if they cover it, you know, cause there hasn't been a lot of coverage for this Madonna journey. I was just excited being able to sort of read people's opinions about some of the songs. And I think in the, um, the daily star was the one that sort of caught my eye the most because it, it highlighted uh, it's you know the, the songs on the standard album, so they don't do the the. I think I read a little bit about the deluxe or the bonus, some of the bonus tracks or whatnot. But um, right. the one that was most exciting to me was God Control, where they said, and I quote, "A total pop banger. It's essentially a sequel to her classic hit Vogue." Well, that's so, a little so like sign me up for that because if, <laughs> if if it's a sequel to Vogue, I mean, come on, then we so we've been waiting. How many years for something as iconic as that? Well, I mean, she's had other great songs since Vogue, of course. But uh, Vogue has a sequel. It's called Deeper and Deeper. <laughs> uh, would you really consider that a sequel? Well, uh, yeah, because it, it includes lyrics from Vogue. Yes, but I don't think <laughs> acoustically oh, no, Deeper not at and all, Deeper no. sounds like... I think I had read also somewhere else that God Control has like little snap clicks and like there's very like acoustic similarities to Vogue. So oh, we, okay, I see. We, we shall see. Um, but yeah, then the other, the other, other one that sort of like stood out to me, which was, and I think, you know, this one as well. I don't search. I find, uh, yeah. which they, again, that they say along with God control, the album's other slice of perfect vintage Madonna disco. I mean, that's all I've been waiting for. I mean, since we're not going to get a full album, I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. I'm very excited to to hear Madame X as a whole, especially, you know, all the tracks produced by Mirrorize, because so far, if you think about it, we've only heard one track produced by Mirrorize. Um, Mike Dean produced Crave, um, Madonna, and the co-writer, uh, What's-His-Face, Evigan, produced I Rise, and Diplo produced Future, so... right. In essence, we haven't really heard what Madame X sounds like as a collection. Yeah, I am. I'm excited to sort of like those being able to sort of like 
read some of the other reviews. Like I know the the Guardian had sort of teased that it's her most bizarre album ever, and uh, the Telegraph had said it's a, a mad mishmash of an album. And uh, I, honestly, I, I, maybe some people would think reviews that say bizarre album or a mad mishmash are like a negative thing. I love when Madonna gets strange, you know, like give me singy, singy, singy bird on a wingy, 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 or, you know, like any of those like cuckoo banana moments that Madonna just gets super strange on. Like I'm going bananas. Yeah. Well, that's a fun song. (laughs) I I don't mind that song, but well, I mean, this doesn't, these reviews are, you know, the, the small reviews that we've read so far, because these haven't been like, you know, too expansive. They already sound better than the advanced press for MDNA and Rebel Heart. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. It already sounds like a more cohesive grouping of songs as opposed to picking producers to work with as opposed to creating a theme. Yeah. I mean, just hearing, I think they said the Times, not the New York Times. I'm assuming it's the British Times? What what, what, time, yeah. what times are they referring to? The same... The- Times of London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saying that Madame X is probably Madonna's boldest, certainly her strangest album yet, which I think that sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I'll, I'll wait to sort of make my own judgment myself, you know, but that got me excited hearing sequel to Vogue. You know what? They had me at sequel to Vogue. That's all. That's all I, as soon as I heard that, I was like. Okay. As long as as long as I don't read, throw it in the bin. It's unlistenable and other things like that. Then I'll be I'll be very happy listening to Madame X on June fourteenth. Yes. It comes out. I know. Well, I mean, I mean, I I think we both have our our fair share of you know we've heard our fair share of negative Madonna reviews. So, so uh, yeah, and some of them came from my head. I mean, there were times, you know, in between the single for Medellin opening, you know, coming out and, and today I was going through some moments where I didn't understand what this album was going to be about. I didn't understand what the songs meant. Um, I didn't have to understand. I understand and I get it now that it's just, it's just going to be, it's just going to be like a collection that just all comes together. So I, I have to, to say that I'm not, I'm not innocent, you know, and, and, you know, kind of slamming Madonna a little bit, but, you know, I've, I've been a fan of hers for a really long time. So I, I, I feel like that's a valid opinion too, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look to, to everyone who's listening right now, I, I think it's uh, understood that, you know, Tony and I have been huge Madonna fans for, well, I mean, I, I, I would venture to say 30 years at least. Yeah. 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 And, we, you know, I think when you sort of are in a long-term relationship with someone, you know, with someone that you spend a lot of money on. Yeah. I mean, we've spent a lot of money. <laughs> we've invested an awful lot of time and emotions, you know, like there are, you know, we sort of, we cheer at her successes. We, we, you know, cr- not cry, oh, but maybe we do, you know, we, we, you know, I mean, when she took a, a tumble at the Brit Awards, I was shocked and nervous and i was like oh my god what's happening you know like there was a roller coaster of emotions that you go on with this person who we i mean don't even really know and um but i think when that happens when you get attached to an artist that whose music you love and 
whose career you follow so avidly that it it doesn't benefit you as a person and a fan to just accept everything that she does as brilliant and amazing. I think it comes with the territory that you have to be objective and look at some of the things that she's doing. And it's okay that not everything she does resonates with every single fan. You know, I mean, if there's something, a song that she releases or a video or a a tour or who knows what, a perfume or a skincare line, you know, like. No, you're a hundred percent correct because she's not a cult leader and we're not members of a cult. You know, we are admirers and we're fans and, and when she has a misstep, we want her to correct that misstep and come back better and stronger, you know? Right. We're ultimately, we're rooting for her. That's where I think it emanates from is because we know she's had moments of brilliance and she's capable of brilliance. And if we don't see that same level of brilliance, sometimes I think we can sort of get a little, not irritated, but maybe irritated or sad. Impatient, impatient. Where it's just like, come on, Madonna, let's, you know, like last year when all I wanted her to do was work on the album and she just kept working on the skincare line promotion. And I was like, see, if she wasn't working on the skincare line, we'd actually have the album by now. But, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's little minor things like that. You know, like I don't want anyone to think that if I'm ever saying something that might be perceived as negative is I'm whining about Madonna. Not at all. On the other hand, we have defended her. I mean, at least I have. I mean, I'm sure you have as well. I mean, I defend Madonna on a daily basis, I feel, you know, and someone's always got to say something and I always have to shut it down. Yeah, I don't think you can be a Madonna fan and not defend her at least several times throughout your life. (laughs) But I think that sort of comes along with the territory, you know what I mean? Like, you sign up with her because there's something about her bravado and her attitude and her persona that resonates with you as a person. And you want to defend that because if someone's attacking Madonna, it's almost like they're attacking you at the same time. So definitely. So the big news I think is the final confirmation of Madonna at Pride Island, i.e. Pure Dance. Uh, it took com- long enough. This coming Pride, I know. It was one of those worst-kept secrets. You know, like, the rumor had been going on for months now, and I, I'm i wondering if they just waited until the beginning of Pride Month to do the announcement, you know? Like, th- that would do, that way it would just sort of, like, make sense. Like, here it is, Pride Month, and no, yay, no. Madonna's confirmed. I, I think that she just took her time. Confirming it. <laughs> well, that's they could have been like handling logistics too. I mean, I'm sure her her tour rider was extensive. Yeah. You know, she wanted a. You know, I mean, last last year Kylie confirmed in February, and they sold the tickets in March. Right, but this year they didn't even have to worry about using no. her name to sell tickets because it's world pride and you know I mean, it sold out in 30 minutes anyway so. yeah before they even announced that she was perform. i mean i think it was before any of the performers for the entire weekend were announced so um so yeah so i, I thought it was interesting they said she'll do a 
couple of songs. And I no, thought, no, 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 no. It, the wording is very vague. And I, I have to jump in and just like comment on that because it says, and I read the official like press releases and they all had the same wording. It says Madonna will make an appearance at pride Island. That's what, that's what it's, that's what it says. That's what it reads. Okay. It says, Madonna will make an appearance at pride Island. And she will be performing a few songs and it's always few. That's the one, the one thing that they, they keep repeating is few. So I'm assuming it will be, if that's what it says, if it's like a few songs, it will probably be three. Yeah, I would guess that too. Because, but very, very different. Because didn't Kylie do like forty-five minutes? Yeah, Kylie was on for about an hour. She even did nine to five. Yeah, so <laughs> she she was up there for a while. That's what I remember. Yeah, and yeah, you'd think that Madonna would want to do something like that too, but she probably was just like, "No, I'll go and do three songs." <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, we, you know, with Madonna, anything's possible, and. I don't know how much control she's going to have. I don't know if you've ever seen that setup. It's literally a big catwalk in the middle of thousands of men, you know? I had done pier dance one, only one time. I had VIP tickets. So I was the way the, and it was on the old pier. So the, I mean, maybe the new, the pier that they have at 59th street is different, but the, um, the stage where the performer, and I think the year I was there, it was Jennifer Lopez, Mm -hmm. uh, the VIP area was all the way at the end of the pier, right along the river. And the area where they had Jennifer Lopez perform was like almost at the other end of the pier. So like you think VIP tickets, you'd be able to see the performance really close. And it was mm-hmm. like completely the other side of the pier. So you couldn't see anything. So I'm, I'm wondering. Like, no, I mean the stage at pride Island last year, I saw Kylie, she, the stage was facing the city and it was on the opposite end of where the water was. And it was like this long alley with the stage at the end. And there were like VIP areas on either side mm-hmm. of the stage, but they weren't close to the stage. It, it, it was a, it was a clusterfuck. It was really not what I expected, but you know, I, a lot of people were there and a lot of people had fun. It was um, not the best place to see someone you are really into so that makes it sound like you won't be attending this year then tony i promised myself last year while standing in pride island watching kylie that i would never ever set foot in pride island again (laughs) i would rather go to lohan island than go back to pride island (laughs) but like i said it's it's pride island and it's you know the end of you know, pride week and it's going to be great. It's world pride. There's going to be people from all over the world and who's ever, whoever goes is, is going to have a great time. I, I honestly, I am happy that she's doing it because I have sort of been mystified that she hasn't done it sooner, you know, considering how much of a staunch supporter of gay rights and how much advocacy she's done in her career, you'd think she would have done this, huge spot, you know, in pride history, you think she would have done it by now. I'm just, I'm surprised it has taken her so long, but very interestingly that they are getting her now because, and this is, I am not knocking any of the past pride performers at all, especially Kylie, because I love Kylie up and down, but I am shocked that they are able to get Madonna 
now at sort of like the level that she's at, because most of the time, like when I saw Jennifer Lopez, I mean, that was like 15 years, that was 15 years ago. You know I mean? She wasn't like the Jennifer Lopez that she's now. I mean, she was big, but she wasn't like, you know, I think it was still Jenny from the block that she was, you know, (laughs) hoofing and the, it, it just, you know what I mean? Like the level of artists that like when they had Gaga, she wasn't just, I mean, I think, I think her first album was just out. It wasn't like she was the Lady Gaga that she is now. And I just think it's, uh, it's interesting that they were able to nab her. That's, I think that's where I'm going with all of this. I think she's promoting a new album that came out a week earlier and it just all worked out for everyone. Yeah, it's definitely good timing. I mean, you know, I'm curious to see because we, you know, with her album we've been able to hear what songs she's releasing prior to that we haven't really heard what the next official single is going to be um again i I mean now i've been saying killers we are uh, killers who are partying is the drag queen disco song now i'm wondering if that might be god control uh you know like i'm not quite sure what the next but she filmed a video with drag queens and it's a disco song well, did you see on Instagram? There's a like a video clip with uh, Future playing over it. It looks like it could be a Future video, but what do I know? Oh, that's part of the. Is it, no, not Future. I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm mixing up with Crave because I know that there's that whole Apple uh, collaboration that she's doing with Apple Music, where. Mm-hmm. Um, part of garage band you'll be able to remix crave her new song and she hasn't officially released it yet because i know she was filming there's like an interactive video that she's doing where she's explaining the technology and uh so that's coming too we haven't we haven't seen that yet but listen nobody's got that kind of time to be re-editing madonna songs but no well i think it's a nice way for you know if there's people who are interested in doing that type of thing you know then Absolutely. then it gives them something to you know play around with her song and maybe we'll get some kick-ass remixes for for crave who knows there's also a rumor that opening night of the madam x tour is going to be broadcast live on apple music have you heard that Yes, I, I have. That will be interesting. Um, I'm actually, I will be attending the very first opening night of the Madame X tour. Um, my friend Rob had got a ticket for that. And so I will be able to attend that. And then you and I are going on that first Sunday, uh, nice. which will be exciting uh, mm-hmm. to be able to see it again from a slightly different. I'll be in the balcony on the, the first night. And then we'll be on the, the floor. I don't know how much of a difference that is. I've never been in the BAM, so I, I don't know quite know. So just think of it as going to the opera and you're on the main floor and you're just in the back. That's. I mean, either which way, I think both of my seats, I will have to bring my glasses and probably <laughs> binoculars because um, I'm not one of those people who got super close tickets. Um, oh, but I heard that you got tickets. Oh, I wouldn't say plural. Um, so yeah, I, I, I won one of those, um, you know, one of those selection process mind fucks. And I looked at the seating chart and my $159 ticket is in the second to last row of the very top balcony. I'm so excited. Well, so you'll be able to (laughs) see everything that's going on above. 
not since the Who's That Girl tour at the Astrodome have I been that far away from Madonna. <laughs> that, I think the last time I had that type of, like, that scale of far away seats was Sticky and Sweet at Madison Square Garden. It Listen, was it, like, it was, she was so tiny, I could barely even see what was going on. But you're still in the room, and that's, that's the, the great part, you know? Yeah, yeah, you'll be there. Well, I mean, you'll have seen it. When is, when is that ticket that you got? Oh, it's like three weeks later. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you'll, so it'll be nice to sort of revisit and sort of, you know, see, see it again. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm just going to walk down to the BAM and see Madonna. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a casual <laughs> thing. But yeah, well, hey, uh, you, you got the ticket finally. But how bizarre that – because you just got that ticket, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I got the email. Was it on Sunday or Monday or something like that? Which was what? Two weeks? Three weeks? Yeah. No, after? two weeks. Because that one, I requested that ticket two weeks ago when uh, Additional Cities went on sale. Oh, okay. Las Vegas, Boston. And they released another week of tickets in New York, in Brooklyn. So that came from that. And yeah, it was a $177 ticket, which makes me laugh because I don't think I've paid that little to see Madonna ever. Right, right. Well, I guess they're, it's the further away you are, the, the less you have to pay because you, can pro- you probably can't see as much. And I am the furthest away. So. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I, I don't know if you, maybe you didn't get the survey yet because you got a later ticket, but I had gotten a survey from, I don't know if it was through Ticketmaster or if it was the people handling the, the ticketing process for Madonna's mishandling tickets. Mishandling Yeah, mishandling. Exactly. But it was a survey asking me questions about how did I feel the process went? What was I disappointed about? And I basically just trashed it because I felt, I mean, I am not alone in this, but if, if I think even the most ardent Madonna fan is super annoyed at how the ticketing process for this whole tour went down. I think you're being a little too nice. There were tears, there were tantrums, people got yelled at. It it wasn't it wasn't a good look for Madonna fans to be waiting, anticipating. It just wanting, wanting, meeting, meeting. waiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I had heard so many people say they you know they're part of the their legacy Madonna fan club members, and they still were unable to get tickets. And I thought, who who's who are the tickets being serviced to then? Like I yeah. get that like they had to, you know, Ticketmaster wanted to have a deal with like Citibank. So that if you had a city card, you were able to get this and so forth and so on. But like, if you're part of, if you're a legacy fan club member, you should be guaranteed a ticket. Now, I don't know how good the ticket should be guaranteed, but you should not get a ticket. You should yeah. be get it. You should just be guaranteed. Yes. You have a ticket. Um, Last year when Taylor Swift went on tour, they ha- I didn't, you know, I'm not a fan. I didn't go to the show. But I've, I've been hearing from people that went to those shows that you had to go through this, like, four-tier process to kind of prove to Taylor Swift that, you know, how big of a fan are you? And the more you know, the more you shared, the closer you got. And you were all guaranteed tickets, which... I don't know. I, I'm surprised Madonna didn't do something that interactive. Yeah, I, I, I was 
whoever was in charge of handling this ticket process, because obviously we know it wasn't her, you know, they probably, they probably just told her, Oh, we have this new inventive way of making sure that all of your fans will get tickets. And that made her happy, but she probably didn't know the ins and outs of the whole entire process because I'm assuming if she did, she would have said, no, that's not fair for people. You know, I can't imagine that she would think that the way that this process went down was fair considering that legacy fan club members are still not having tickets, you know? And now if you look, I mean, I don't know if you had a look at StubHub, some of the, the outrageous ticket prices that people are trying to charge. I was like, you want people to pay $8,000 for balcony seats. <laughs> oh, kids. Yeah. Oh, kids. <laughs> so, yeah, Madame X is coming, and people have their tickets, and people don't have their tickets. But if you're a fan, you're going to find a way. Otherwise, you're just another fake fan with a ticket that you got, you know, and you don't deserve. <laughs> yeah. So, Stefan, I think that we should um, talk about Madonna and her experience in Hollywood. Yes, I. It's a subject we have not yet touched upon, but is sort of always been there, bubbling around us. Um, we all know Madonna's a soundtrack queen. You know, she writes and performs songs for films that she's in, and also for films that she's not in. And you know, that's another episode altogether. You know, we can go into Madonna's soundtrack songs. Abs- yeah, absolutely, but. You can tell from her early videos, and early meaning like a virgin, you know, the Like a Virgin album and the True Blue album, the videos from those two records. She is like seriously auditioning for movie roles with those videos, and you can tell that like there's nothing that she wants more than to be in a movie. And she even married a movie star, so she shows up almost accidentally in a film called Desperately Seeking Susan, which I think is probably her best performance. It's the most naturalistic. She's basically playing herself, right? Did you ever read this? She kept a diary. It's great stuff. Couldn't sleep. Went into kitchen. Gary came in. Turned on light. Gary left. Finished birthday cake. Pages of it. It's gotta be a cover. Nobody's life could be this boring. Shouldn't be reading that. It's private. Yeah, well, it's not about her. It's about me. Listen to this. He's looking for Susan again. She's late returning from Mexico. This is the fifth ad he's run. Why does he want to see her so badly? Who is she? And there's my picture. Gary, why didn't you tell me she read the personals? You could have settled this yesterday. She read them all the time. I, I, I didn't think. Yeah, well, I, I, fortunately for everybody, I'm here and I'm thinking. Give me the car keys. I mean, Susan Seidelman, the director, has always said that Madonna was acting in that movie, which I would agree. You know, obviously, she was given lines to memorize, and the lines were not her own, so she was a level of acting. But I I agree. I do feel like the character of Susan was definitely probably the closest character Madonna has ever portrayed that felt organic to who she was as a person in real life. 
Absolutely. I agree. I mean, she looked the way that she, in the film, she looked the same way she looked in her album. Right. There was no, there was no differentiation between Madonna in real life and Madonna or Susan, the character, you know, like Susan's character was uh, obviously Susan was not a singer in the movie, but Mm -hmm. she, you know, went out to the clubs, she danced, she, you know, it was Madonna's styling, the hair, the, the clothes the you know, it was almost as if like Susan Seidelman said, we want this, they, we want this character. And then she's like, Oh, this singer Madonna would be great. Let's, let's get her. Let's see if she's interested. And then it just was a happy marriage. Yeah. Let's see if we can get this girl to come in and steal the movie from Rosanna Arquette. Yeah. Oh, I always felt bad for Rosanna Arquette in that movie because you could just tell it was supposed to be her movie and Madonna just trounced all over that. <laughs> but they became great friends as a result so well and it was a great movie that's one of i I, i've always loved that movie um i love it in terms of you get to see sort of madonna before right before the like a virgin album i mean like a virgin came out i think while they were filming the movie but um it's sort of like madonna right before she explodes into the huge pop star that she became when like a virgin came onto the scene and also, I love that you get such a time capsule of 1980s New York City. Yes, I was just going to say that. that It's one of like a handful of films shot in New York in the mid-80s that just totally gets it. And, you know, that New York doesn't exist anymore. It's- no, it's and it's brilliant to be able to see that movie. And like when uh, Roberta's character is leaving the Magic Club and she has the pigeons and she's like running through the streets because the guy's thinking she's Susan and he's coming after her. And I'm like, where on earth in New York city would you ever be that alone in at night? Like that does not exist anymore. No matter, you would not be able to be in Manhattan at let's just say four in the morning and still Mm -hmm. have it be that empty on the streets. Like it's to me, it's like there's people everywhere all the time. Yeah, and in real life, that that location where the Magic Club was is in that weird non-area that's like Lower East Side meets Chinatown, and it's kind of like desolate sometimes. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it, I walk – it's like Center Street. It's like right over right, there. Right, 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 right. I mean, so through. yeah, maybe, maybe if the Magic Club closed at 4 and she was trotting on home with the birds, <laughs> yeah, maybe it would be kind of empty in the middle of the night, but uh, – it's oh, but just, yeah, it's fun to see the city that way. Yeah, it looks great. And then you, you also get to see her dancing at Danceteria, where she, quote, unquote, started her career. Yes. Dancing to her own music, which is adorable, always. I love, <laughs> actually, that's one of the things I love about the movie, is you get to hear the original demo version of Into the Groove, which I think is far superior to the album version. And, yeah, it's far superior to any version that's on any of... You know her compilations. Yeah, they sort of souped it up after the you know, after that movie and like added some bells and whistles, which I don't think were necessary. I kind of like the 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 deep beat and the house vibe that the original demo has. It's like just leave it simplistic like that. It doesn't yeah. need it doesn't need the crazy piano and it's. I was just I think it was better in the demo version. I, I agree, but I, after the remix that Chet Pettibone did of it in You Can Dance, we've never heard it 
that way again. Correct. Yeah, it's it was downhill from there. <laughs> Speaking of downhill, so Madonna's oh, next. Madonna's I, knew, next I, I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> so Madonna's next movie was um, a star vehicle for her and her husband at the time, Sean Penn. It was Shanghai Surprise, and there's really nothing good to say about it. No, I had watched a few moments of that movie. Uh, in preparation of our conversation and it is truly terrible. Like it's, I I was, I was like, let me watch it from a outsized perspective, not as a Madonna fan and just sort of see, is this a decent movie? It's not even, I mean, it's a, it is highly eighties. It is, you know, like there, there are eighties tropes. It's, it's very like the soundtrack alone is, is such Asian appropriation, it is absolutely horrific. Like the, they have the lead song over the plays over the beginning credits is called Shanghai Surprise, and it is just ripping through Asian culture left and right with like, it, I mean, it is like there's watching, even a gong in there. Yes, it, it's <laughs> it's just terrible. The the lyrics and the the sounds and yeah, it's just it's not good. I mean, Sean Penn, I think, does his best to sort of act like convincing but i just think the two of them in that movie were just too involved in each other to actually like plus plus madonna as a missionary and then the scene where she like decides to like coerce him to help her by sleeping with him and i was like this is just off the rails well, the thing is, is by all accounts, Sean and Madonna were supposed to have this explosive chemistry, and anybody with that that was in the room when they were together was, you know, that's all they could talk about. You know how they couldn't keep their eyes off each other, and how they just riffed off each other. Well, they left that at the door when they went and made Shanghai Surprise because I see no chemistry. I actually see see them like cringing at each other, and. <laughs> And it's no wonder they got divorced, you know? <laughs> yeah, it just, it was the script was not, well, the direction, there was, mm-hmm. there was just, I couldn't, watching the movie, I couldn't figure out if it was supposed to be a comedy or a thriller or, a, you know, like, I think they were trying to do Indiana one of those, like, those like, yeah, that, those yeah. zany action type of comedy move, And it just, it just missed the mark on so many different, things and um yeah i just i think we've said far more than about shanghai surprise than really needs to be said so sean and madonna turned down two other projects to do shanghai surprise oh god what were the projects so the first project they turned down was going to be bruce willis's debut film blind date madonna was going to play the girl he goes on the date with and sean penn was going to play her psychotic ex-boyfriend and that could have worked but they didn't get along with blake edwards the director they wanted to change things and he said you're fired or (laughs) not you're fired but uh we're not doing this hit the road and then the other project that they were involved in for a while and it didn't work out either was Ruthless People, where Madonna was going to play the obnoxious woman who gets kidnapped and the kidnappers want to throw her back. And Sean Penn, <laughs> Sean Penn was going to play her husband who didn't want her back. And that didn't work out. Um, not sure why. I have never read any like you know convincing reports but uh yeah those roles were played by danny devito and ben midler <laughs> right and we know how that turned out for them was this yeah. a ra- raging success that, yeah you know uh, anything would have been better than shanghai surprise uh, or so madonna thought when she went and made who's that girl 
gonna need some information. What's the patient's name? Loudon. Loudon. Mm -hmm. Loudon what? Clear. Loudon Clear. Mrs. Clear, have you noticed anything wrong with your husband recently? Well, he hasn't exactly been Valentino in the sack lately, if that's what you mean. Now, before you say anything negative about who's that girl, <laughs> I will say that I have deep affection for that movie. I have always, that was my very first uh, Madonna quote unquote album, that soundtrack. That was the very first Madonna music that I ever purchased. Um, and when I saw that movie, I did not look at it through the eyes of, is this a good movie or not? Mm -hmm. I just, looked at it through the eyes of this is Madonna. I love her music and therefore I love the movie. And no, I am absolutely fascinated and entertained by who's that girl, but I know that it has been derided by pretty much anyone else that has seen it. I mean, it, this movie is kind of like an old shoe to me. I, I just slip it on every now and then and it, feels great and i know all the lines i mm -hmm. love the musical cues seeing this when it came out was so exciting to me because it was the first time i got to hear those songs loud in a movie theater you know hearing causing a commotion who's right, that right right so that was great but yeah i mean i i also like to make fun of who's that girl at the same time it's you know it's i mean look it's not the it, it is a really wacky silly comedy it's extremely 80s you know like if you paired it up with any of those like anthony michael hall weird science type of movies you yeah. know like it's that type of like over the top weird hilarious type of comedy but and i think people would say you know, like Madonna's not acting in that movie, but I, she really is. I mean, no, that, she really is. The, 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 the performance that she's doing, she commits to that performance through the entire film. And it's pretty well done, her character. Like, if you watch it, it's, it's kind of fun to see her in the certain, the different scenes that she's doing. And, and then again, as with Desperately Seeking Susan, Who's That Girl is such a great movie to watch in terms of a time capsule for 1987. Madonna shoplifting cassette tapes in the Sam Goody, I think she's in. And the outfit that she's wearing with those, the leotards and the, like the flat shoes that she has on. And, and the, the soundtrack, which includes other artists whose names escape me at the moment. Scritti Politti is one of them. Yes. Um, yeah, I forget who else is on the, the soundtrack. But yeah, ex like I just love that Like there's, I mean, the, there's endless quotes in that movie that you can say, you know, like all of the, I mean, all of the character actors that they have in that film, the one who plays Wendy Worthington, Wendy's father, and mm -hmm. the, the two thugs that are like trying to get the key from her and just the, the, the running gags that they have through the whole thing with Murray and the, the limousine horn that you hear all the time. And like, there's just so many fun. Or the, fact, the fact that uh, every cab driver in Manhattan has had Wendy in the cab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Oh, Wendy, I had her in the cab once. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Some of those, yeah, it's just really, really fun. I, I actually, I, I do love that movie. 
um, I love the little animated opening over with causing a commotion. And we sort I of like love cartoon Madonna, how brilliant the, I mean, I remember when that movie was on VHS, I was finally, I was a huge, uh, into drawing. I loved to draw and I was constantly drawing cartoon Madonna from the opening credits. I would literally pause the, you know, cause we didn't have the internet, so I couldn't call up a JPEG and look at it on my screen. <laughs> I would just pause the VHS tape and sketch the, the picture. And, um, I probably still have those sketches somewhere in a box somewhere, but, um, yeah, I, think I love, I love who's that girl. It's, I, I, I can't not love that movie. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons that it's, you know, looked down upon is because it was projected to be a big hit for her. It was a big summer movie. It didn't do well at all. Um, I think it did better on video and when it was on cable. But it, yeah, it just didn't exceed the expectations that they had for Madonna, the movie star. And, right, which I know, get. I totally get, but that's that's okay because, you know, the songs did well, the soundtrack did well. Um, you know, it kind of put a damper on her next work. Uh, she did an independent film, uh, an ensemble cast with an ensemble cast called Bloodhounds of Broadway. And it was uh, directed by a friend of hers, Howard Bruckner, who died of AIDS a year later. But he compiled this cast. It was um, Randy Quaid, who played her boyfriend, and Jennifer Grey, Matt Dillon, Anita Morris, Brooker Howard. And this is a 20s period piece. And it's, you know, Madonna plays a flapper. She sings in a speakeasy. And one interesting thing about it is that one of the stories in the film is about Texas Guinan, who was a, she was a hostess of a speakeasy. You know, she had several clubs around Manhattan and she is what Hello Suckers is about. Mm-hmm. So I always see that Bloodhounds of Broadway is where Madonna learned about Texas Guinan and, you know, kind of maybe always had that in the back of her mind it's an interesting movie it's you know you see it once and you'll forget it but you know she looks great in it it's right it's, she's she's young she's got that haircut from those iconic immaculate collection photographs that she did mm-hmm. with her brits with like the straight jet black hair bob and um right and her and jennifer grace sing a song i think it's aren't they sisters no, no, they're like friends, but they work together at the speakeasy. They're dance hall girls, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I remember seeing it. It's cute. So, in between, Madonna was working on, like, a prayer and Blonde Ambition tour, and that begot Truth or Dare, which came after, but in between this time period was Dick Tracy, which was actually a big hit and it was, you know, all over the place. Vogue was part of the advertising for the film. And And how could it, how could it not be? I mean, (laughs) I mean, one had nothing to do with the other, but Madonna made sure that if you were thinking about Dick Tracy, you were thinking about Vogue and vice versa, at least in the summer of 1990. You're breaking and entering, you know, Sorry. Sit down. Are you gonna arrest me? If I were gonna arrest you, I'd have done it by now. 
Then what are you up to, honey? I think Lips Manless is dead. And I want you to tell me who killed him. Or maybe you weren't on his side. Whose side are you on? The side I'm always on. Mine. No grief for Lips? I'm wearing black underwear. You know, it's legal for me to take you down to the station and sweat it out of you under the lights. I sweat a lot better in the dark. I know how you feel. You don't know if you want to hit me or kiss me. I get a lot of that. Yeah. Well, so, I always thought I always thought with Dick Tracy, the interesting thing was I felt because in 1989, that was when um, Batman came out. And yeah. I felt like Madonna was trying to sort of latch on to uh, a superhero movie the way that Kim Basinger did with Batman. Yeah. And I, but I felt like Dick Tracy wasn't quite as splashy and fun in the way that Batman resonated with people. Um, I mean, was Dick Tracy as big a hit? I don't think that it was. It was, it was, a, it made back its money. It turned a profit and you know, they, it wasn't huge like Batman, but it, it, it did well. Because uh, to me, I felt like it seemed a little, dated you know i mean yes it was a period piece and yeah you know like but i just felt like because dick tracy wasn't really a superhero it didn't sort of have the splashiness and the 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 coolness factor that michael keaton with batman had no it didn't feel young you're right it felt more like a period piece and you know when it's on cable i'll watch it and you know mostly because i i love her performance in it but they just really did her a disservice because every time Madonna has an, an amazingly gorgeous musical sequence, it just gets edited to shreds and you don't see it completely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they were the running time of that movie. They had to be conscious of that and they couldn't just devote an entire five minutes to letting you watch a Madonna performance. I mean, which you'd think would be, the other way around like you think that they would do that like in the way that they with if you look at like bradley cooper and lady gaga in a star is born they gave lady gaga those performances oh yeah like they 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 knew that people were coming for her and if they you know like they sort of got that i but i think warren Beatty was shelving her in that way like he was like yes she's here but that's not the focus of this movie. You know, like we're not going to, it's, it's not about Madonna. It's about this ensemble cast and it's about me. And right. And that's why Dick Tracy is only good for the Madonna scenes. <laughs> I honestly, yeah. I mean, I will watch there's, I think some brilliant performances from some really top notch caliber actors, you know, um, uh, Al Pacino as big boy is so great. And, and like, just the character of Big Boy is just so brutal, and the way he mm-hmm. treats Breathless Mahoney and um, just some of the other cronies and whatnot—it's it's great. I mean, Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles is great. Um, I mean, I love like Glenn Headley. Uh, yeah, you know, like great. there's just so many great performances in that movie, um, and I love also. And if this is a spoiler alert for you, shame on you, listeners, for not having seen this movie sooner. But ultimately. 
Madonna's playing double duty in that movie where she's playing Breathless Mahoney and she's also playing the uh, blank, the, the faceless guy. Yeah. yeah the, 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 base, the, 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 the blank. Yeah. That's his the, name. Is that the, yeah, is the blank. The blank. <laughs> That's weird. Um, but it's, it's fun. That's like, if you know, like when you're watching that the first time you, you wouldn't know that because there's no indication that she's no. playing that role. And, the final reveal, you know, when they take the mask off and it's her, you can sit there and say, Oh my God, that was her the entire time. And you sort of realize she's been having a much meatier role than you really thought. And yeah, but you know, to be fair, the blank doesn't really walk like Madonna. <laughs> I think if you, there are certain times when I would, cause I would, I've rewatched it many times since it came out and I do watch to sort of see if it would be Madonna. And there are certain mm-hmm. mannerisms that I, I'm like, it's gotta be her. Cause like the, there's a dance ability to the way that the, the, the character, the character moves. If you watch some of like the way, and I mean, I'm not saying that there's a, uh, this is going to sound very terrible you can tell that it's a, it's a female because of the, the way that she's moving. But I know that that's a, that's probably not a PC thing to say these days. Right. Okay. I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to revisit the world of breathless Mahoney because I always, I never picked up on that. And next we have everybody's favorite movie that Madonna is in a league of their own. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's, Although it's not technically a Madonna movie, because I would I would venture to say that movie belongs to Gina Davis and Lori Petty. Oh, absolutely! Ulti- ultimately, it's their movie. Uh, it's their story, and Madonna is a supporting character. However, at that time when that movie came out, she was she sold the movie. Yes, I, I mean people were going ultimately because of Madonna. And it's it's a great movie. It's it's ultimately a family film. It's it's cute. You can watch it with your grandmother and not feel bad about it. Um, well, I mean, Penny Marshall directed it. It's a wonderful film. I I honestly think I cry every single time I watch it. You know, like uh, seeing the story of the women and knowing that this was uh, it's based on a true story about the women's baseball league. And uh, I love that. It's like historical um, in, in those terms of like how the, the league got started and how long it went for and this, that, but then I also love that they sort of like have this really great story about women and friendship and sisterhood and, um, and just the bonds that they, those women had while, you know, and, also sort of showing women be athletic, you know, I mean, that, yeah. that was, that movie was back in 1992 and uh, well before the whole me too movement and women empowerment. And it was just sort of, it's, it's a great women's movie. Yeah. And we get to see Madonna do a mean jitterbug. Oh, she danced her ass off in that movie. She danced her ass off and she also learned to play baseball. And I think it, it did her well. I mean, she looks great. Yeah. It's, it's fun to sort of, see her and uh, well and side sidebar real quick madonna in a league of their own um there's a scene where she slides into home home base i think and she's safe yeah madonna sliding into that base is the reason i slid into second base 
in one of my games. I was on junior varsity baseball as a senior in high school because I sucked at baseball and I wanted to just be part of a sports team. And the only reason I got on first base in the game was because I got hit by a pitch in the arm. So I got walked to first and then I got the signal to steal and no one had ever told me how to steal a base. And on my way, running frantically to get to second base, I heard slide from my coach. And in my head, I thought, if I slide feet first into the base, I'm just going to like hit the ground and fall and not slide. Like I'll just like come to a dead stop. So in my head, as I'm running, I'm thinking, well, Madonna slid feet for uh, head first in a league of their own. If she can, <laughs> if she can do it, I can do it. And so I launched myself at second base. Again, no one had ever told me how to slide into a base. So they didn't tell me that unlike practice, the bases are screwed in to the ground during a game. And because they're screwed in, you should only slide to the right or left side of of the plate so that way when you're sliding in at a huge speed you aren't coming right at the base and you can sort of hold on to the base as you're maybe sliding past it so i launch myself at second base my hand gets caught on the base and dislocates my right shoulder so um, not quite all the way may yeah thanks madonna for teaching me how to not slide into a base uh, and dislocating my my uh, my right shoulder. <laughs> Yikes. Well, we're glad that you're okay, and we're glad that you were an athletic supporter. Oh, but I was safe. That's <laughs> exactly. the important thing. I, 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 stole, I stole second base. So I, <laughs> I, although it ended my baseball career, I, I at least stole a base before it ended. So shortly after A League of Their Own, Madonna released Erotica and The Sex Book, and a few months after that came the companion film, as I like to call it, Body of Evidence. Yes, it would be nice. What would? You and I making love. Is that what you think I was thinking? There's nothing wrong with admitting that you want me, Frank take love for granted oh yes uh, uh, or as i like to say madonna's attempt to do basic instinct a la sharon stone listen everybody at the time was making these kinds of movies and producers were probably saying to themselves like you know people love to spend time in the dark with nudity friendly sharon stone so why can't we do that with someone else like maybe madonna and I guess they threw enough money at her because she said, yeah, I'll do a shitty movie in Portland, Oregon. And boy, was it shitty. <laughs> it was so bad. I remember living in Portland at the time I was going to school and everyone was so excited that Madonna was making a movie in Portland. And then the movie came out and no one ever mentioned it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and for good reason. I mean, honestly, I when I saw that she was doing it, I was actually really excited because I thought – you know, because everyone and their mother went and saw Basic Instinct. And yeah. Basic Instinct was like, it was kind of campy, but it was still really fun. You know, yeah. and Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct was just delicious. And she, she sold that character and it was fun and like high octane and edge of your seat and thriller campy. And it was just, it's brilliant. Well, Whereas 
the character that Madonna plays in Body of Evidence, Rebecca Carlson, is no fun. And when she finally, when she finally gets it at the end, you're excited and happy. Yeah. <laughs> and funnily enough, I think one of the things that I love about sort of Madonna in the movies, back in the like heyday of Hollywood, you know, like the fifties and. 60s yeah um they used to, with all of those stars that they had um who would sign contracts with the hollywood studios a lot of those celebrities it was written into their contract if they were in a movie they could or could not be killed off their character right. so like if, if marilyn monroe was in a movie they you knew that she couldn't be killed off because the marketing department for each of the studios would evaluate whether or not those certain celebrities resonated with audiences to the point where if an audience saw that cat that person get killed off in a movie it would upset the audience too too much so it, i always thought it was very interesting that madonna is not one of those people that people would not want to see killed off. It is the complete opposite. Like in, in a majority of movies, Madonna is actually getting knocked off left and right. And people are happy, you know, like when you see her get knocked off at the end of Dick Tracy, you're just like, Oh yeah, great. Good, good. When you see her get knocked off at the end of body of evidence, you're like cheering, you know, and it's, it's just kind of funny. I always thought it's like, she does not have the same sympathy that, uh, Marilyn Monroe does. Not at all. And uh, yeah, speaking of getting off to uh, Madonna's next film, which was the first Maverick Films production, and I think maybe the last, uh, Dangerous Game, also known as Snake Eyes. At the time, Madonna said this was her favorite performance that she'd done as an actress. And I would agree with her. I think she's really good in this. And she's very, for the first time, she's not self-conscious. She's not, it's not about, her image it's about you know she's playing an actress who's trying to better herself and she'll do anything to do it and i feel like madonna could relate to that at the time yeah i loved the there's my my favorite scene in dangerous game is the scene where she's on the bed with a bunch of people and she's smoking pot and she's telling a story about i don't remember what she's is she telling a story about tampons yeah, or, yeah, the the privilege of yeah, 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 <laughs> and it's honestly when I you would hear people say Madonna can't act, I would want to cue up that scene because to me she doesn't seem like she's acting there. Like you, if you look at some of her other performances throughout her career, you could say yes, she looks like she's acting mm-hmm. here, but that in most of the scenes in dangerous game, she is very like not, she doesn't seem fake. She seems, it seems very organic and real to me. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's mentioned as well that she didn't like the way that her character was edited at, you know, in the final film, but even, even so it's still, it's still one of her best performances. After Dangerous Game, I think she either she didn't get hired for leading roles or she didn't want to take leading roles because she just did a bunch of one-offs. Um, after that, she did Shadows and Fog for Woody Allen. She was in that movie for 30 seconds. Yeah, that was a super small cameo where she plays like some gypsy fortune teller, I think. Yeah, I think she's the, the girl that the knife thrower throws knives at. 
Oh, I see. And yeah, she wore that weird, like, it was a black curly wig. I think she literally just wanted to work with Woody Allen. I yeah. think that was the whole reason she just, like, she was like, find me a way to work with Woody Allen. And that's and make did. sure the movie's in black and white. <laughs> yes, exactly. After that, she did Four Rooms, which was an anthology film um, produced by Quentin Tarantino. She was in Allison Anders' um, segment, and that was about a bunch of topless witches. Her character, Elsbeth, is actually quite fun. I loved, yeah. I loved her, I love her styling in that, and I love Madonna playing a witch. Like for some strange reason, it just works. No, that was that, it's a great segment. I mean, I don't hate Four Rooms. I I watch it whenever it's on again, and I think it's great. But I wanted more. I wanted her to yeah. be in a full two hours playing a witch. Yeah, it wasn't enough for me. After that, she was in a Spike Lee film called Girl Six. She plays the owner of a strip club. Same and, thing, though. I, there wasn't yeah. enough Madonna in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I get yeah. it. it. It wasn't her role, you know, like her movie. But, but you know, she does the most with what she has. She gets to talk she looks, about she looks. She looks great. Yeah, she looks great. This is, like, right before Bedtime Stories when she had just pierced her nose and she was wearing all that crazy makeup and yes the the heavy shadowed yeah. eyes after that she was in a very small role in a film called blue in the face which was kind of like a sequel to smoke and this was with uh, harvey keitel who was also in dangerous game with her uh blue in the face it's a cameo she shows up she sings as a singing telegram girl it's great is this the brooklyn cigar company in the flesh I'm looking for a Mr. Augustus Wren. Well, you found him, beautiful. Great. I've never been to Brooklyn before. I wasn't sure I'd find you. Well, Brooklyn's on a map. We even got streets out here. Electricity, too. You don't say. Well? Well, what? I have a telegram for you. Nobody's dead, I hope. A singing telegram. This gets better and better. You ready? Wherever you are. <clears throat> the deal is off. Stop. Ba da 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 da. Boom. Not selling the store. Stop. Ba da 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 da. Boom. I'll see you next week. Stop. Ba da 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 da. Boom. I'm sending you love, love, love from Las Vegas. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's. She's actually quite funny in that role. After that, Madonna's dreams come true when she gets the role of Evita, and ah, uh, ah, uh, you know, uh. Everyone has their own opinion about Evita. I grew up listening to the Evita album, the concept album. So that's the idea that I have in my head. Seeing Madonna do Evita doesn't quite hit all the right notes, but it's, it's, it's great to see her in, in that role. I had never had exposure to Evita the musical prior to her being in the movie. So when she did the movie, I was just sort of like, I was over the moon about it. You know, like I was sort of like being given this whole new musical experience and, <laughs> um, 
you know, I was just, I loved her performance in it. I thought that I thought besides desperately seeking Susan, it was probably the best vehicle she could have ever have been in, in terms of a movie. I thought it, you know, like the production was beautifully done. It was, you know, sort of before musical movies were super popular. I mean, like, I think Chicago relaunched the musical as uh, like in the movies yeah. and when that, when that came out, but this was before that. And, yeah. um, so it was kind of weird that, it, you know, I mean, I remember it came out around Christmas in New York city and I went and saw it in a theater and it was opulent and beautiful and big and, you know, like no, no expenses spared. And I thought she was great. You know, I mean, I had, there was a couple moments where they only a couple moments where they had them sing live in the recording of it. And I kind of wish that they had done it more, you know, like with Les Mis with, with Hugh Jackman, where they were doing a lot of live singing. And I wished that they would have done that with Evita because I thought it personalized it a little bit more. And, um, and Hey, she won the golden globe. Yeah. She didn't get nominated for an Oscar, even though she should have. But she should have. She should have at least gotten nominated. I yeah. don't know if she would have. She definitely should have won, but um, she should have gotten nominated. Absolutely. The uh, new original song in the film. You must love me. Exactly. That won the Oscar. And Madonna sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I told myself <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't sing on this podcast. And then Madonna gets to sing at the Oscars for the second time for a song that she didn't write that ends up winning the Oscar. Um, and knocked it out of the park. That was a great performance. That was a great performance. Um, so, you know, after Evita, Madonna's got accolades and she's got awards and, you know, she could do whatever she wants. So she decides to make another bad movie. <laughs> right. You'd think on the, on the tales of Evita, she's riding high in Hollywood. She's going to do something amazing. And what does she do? The next best thing. Which was not the, the next, next best, best thing, thing at all. Yeah. It was probably the worst thing she could have done. Uh, I mean, I get it that, where she was going with it. You know, she wanted to do a little buddy film, you know, it's very, she wanted to do a rom-com and she wanted it to be like what happened with Rupert Everett and Julia Roberts the first time around, but correct. It, it doesn't work when you're playing, you're playing a, a, a yoga instructor in Southern California with a British accent. It just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And it also, it it started off as like a campy comedy between two, uh, a gay male and a woman best friend. And then it sort of becomes an episode of family law. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a lifetime movie all of a sudden where now they're in court and, and honestly, like with body of evidence, any movie that makes us sit through court scenes is a, is just dull to me. Like, I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. It's, I have been in jury duty multiple times. I know how tedious and boring it is in real life. It is even more tedious and boring when you watch it in a movie. Like I don't want to pay money to go sit in a movie theater and watch people <laughs> in court, you know, like unless it's going to be like a huge dynamic scene or whatever, but I mean, no, like, that they're, fighting for, they're fighting for child custody here. And it's just like, and, and it was just not good. You'll probably agree with me that there were a couple of like kind of, cute fun scenes before the kid comes before yes correct before the before the kid comes and before she cuts her hair 
So then she does a, a cover of American Pie for the album, the soundtrack album, which I don't love, but I also don't hate. And I, I only love it because she sounds good. Yeah. But like the, her, her, her voice and her vocals, they sound really good, but otherwise. Her second contribution to the soundtrack album is a ballad called Time Stood Still that I love. And love. I yeah. can't say enough about it. That That should win the Oscar, you know? Yeah. So after that, uh, Madonna hitched her wagon to Guy Ritchie, who is a film director, and they made a short film together called Star for BMW Films. It was like a a collection of short films made by directors for BMW. And actually, that's a really good collaboration for Madonna and Guy Ritchie. If you haven't seen it, um, check it out. It's definitely available on youtube and it's called the star and she plays a very difficult um passenger and uh yeah you have who who gets her comeuppance who gets her comeuppance but i don't want to give it away because a lot of people don't know about it or however that i don't know if we necessarily could say that that's a a movie i mean maybe a short film well it's a short film it's it's classified as a short film, but it's leading into her next collaboration with Guy Ritchie, which is uh, Swept Away. Guido. Yes, Mother? When you've put that reptile down, can you empty the ashtrays? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, Swept Away. You know, Madonna should have learned her lesson when her last collaboration with a husband didn't work out. Correct. <laughs> Uh, I I love the intentions of Swept Away. I think it was like they were trying to go for, I think it was, there was a little bit of Overboard, the movie, you know, with Gold, Goldie Hawn. Uh, a lot where, of Overboard. Where she's, you know, playing a bitchy, rich w- woman. And, uh, but then it veers into this weird, uh, the the whole relationship with her and the guy on the island where you know, like he's making her very subservient and uh it's all kind of a little guy, shocking it's kind of guy richie is what it is yeah uh yeah it's it's almost like the other film the beginning is cute and funny and then it's not and then it's yeah. a huge bummer and then at the end you're just kind of scratching your head like wow, where did we go wrong? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it just, it didn't, it didn't quite work. I, I wished it would have because uh, I had wanted to see her in another good movie again and it just, it, it didn't happen. Ain't happening. So the one good thing that came out of Swept Away was a DVD extra and it was an MTV movie special, which is about the making of Swept Away. It's about 25 minutes, and it's hilarious. I don't know why the movie couldn't have been this funny. <laughs> uh, officially, that's Madonna's last lead role as an actress, although a year later she had a cameo in a James Bond film. And I don't know if I can call her a bond girl because she was a little old to be called a girl but you know she played a a bond woman named verity and you know she shows up and you know has a few words with james bond and and that's it and well she probably forced 
the director to put her in that movie because she's like, fine, I'll do the soundtrack song, but you need to put me in a cameo. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible honor to be asked to do a James Bond theme. And, you know, I think Madonna had been living in England at the time and she lobbied really hard for it and she got it. And Die Another Day is a great song. It, it fits the film perfectly, but her showing up as a fencing instructor was just a little too much for me. A to little like. bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a little strange, but, and that was her last on film participation in movies yeah that's her last on-screen appearance uh now madonna has become a film director and she's made a film called filth and wisdom and she also did a film called we which is actually really good it is quite good yeah i did feel like could have the editing towards the end could have been tightened up a little bit we could have lost maybe 10 minutes but okay well you um, give her a call and you let her know okay yeah i will i will (laughs) i I know that she has projects in development and hopefully after Madame X, she'll get back to directing or maybe she'll do another album. But I do hope that Madonna returns to film as an actress at least once more and hopefully in something that, that will really, that will really give her something to sink her teeth into. Yeah. I would love to see her do another performance, but I know that she's never been, she's been less and less of a fan of acting in other people's movies because of the lack of control that she has as yeah. the, the final output. Um, but then I also wonder if she'd be okay with how she looks in a movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. videos, uh, you can, you know, blow the, the lighting can blow out and you can fix things with, you know, like, airbrushing and whatnot i'm just wondering if you know in a movie you're not meant to look all that perfect or you know you look to, you're meant to look more real and i just wonder if maybe that's another reason why she hasn't sort of like been in a proper movie i think so i mean something interesting that's come up recently is that the rock star biopic is huge now so bohemian rhapsody was about um Freddie Mercury did really well and made tons of money, won the lead actor in Oscar. And the same director had just released uh, Rocket Man, which is about Elton John. Same things, doing really well. Uh, they interviewed Dexter Fletcher, who coincidentally was in several Guy Ritchie films back in the day. And he says that he would like to direct a Madonna biopic. And I think that if anyone could do it, it could be him. And I think that him and Madonna need to get on the phone and uh, start coming up with something. Cause I think that'll work. I mean, they just on the, on the success of uh, these two rock biopics, they're also now doing a boy George film. And, you know, I don't see why Madonna couldn't be in that group. I think it'd be great too. Yeah. But I think that she would have to have some input. Otherwise it wouldn't work. Yeah, no, she yeah, if she wasn't involved it would be weird. So, yeah, that I mean, thanks for indulging me. I, I love to talk about films and I love to talk about Madonna in films. So, if you feel like we haven't gone deep enough, uh let us know in comments and I'll talk about movies with Madonna some more. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, actually, speaking of movies that are Madonna-related, I do want to sort of plug uh, the Like a Prayer documentary. Uh, it's so that good, we had, That we had gone and seen, um, directed by Oksana Nabakova. Um, she had aired it in New York City, and Tony and I had gone and seen it, and she's actually bringing it to the West Coast. So if we have any West Coast listeners uh, who would love to go see a uh, really sort of a passionate movie about Madonna fans and uh, what it's like to have uh, a love for an artist, uh, definitely go check this out. There's a couple showings. Um, June 23rd, uh, it's going to be showing at the Presidio in San Francisco. Uh, June 26th, they're going to be showing it in uh, L.A. at the Downtown Independent. And then on the 28th of June, it's going to be at the AMC Mission Valley 20 in San Diego. So a little bit of a West Coast bend. And um, if you missed it the first time in New York City, fret not. It will be back in New York City at uh, AMC Empire 25 on July 1st. So you've got lots of opportunities to check it out um, if you, you know, want to RSVP for any of those events, there's a like a prayer documentary, um, page on Facebook. So go check it out. I'm sure Oksana would be absolutely thrilled to have you. Like yeah. The page. If you guys get the chance to see this film, it's, it's, it's quite the Madonna journey. So Stefan next week is the release of Madame X. So I look forward to talking to you in depth about that. Oh yeah. I think we're going to, we're going to have a listening party. We are going to scrutinize every song. And I know I'm going to be, you know, dancing and singing and living for love. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll be there too. Um, thanks for joining us guys. Um, thanks for giving us the chance to talk about Madonna and Please check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, like and subscribe, rate and review, send us your comments, send us your gripes, suggestions, uh, mlbcpodcast.com. And you can link to all of our social media via the website. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.